They're continuing to load in well here for this big Group 1 event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late. It's English a half length in front. Can he do it? Chautauqua. He's flying. Yes. And excellent. But McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go. Excellent runs to second. On a zone runs on. But a champion becomes a legend. McCarty Diva has won it. G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Clarks of the Course podcast, joined each week by myself, Lewis Willoughby, and in the co-pilot chair with me, Dean Watling, back for another week. We keep making it back on air. I'm not sure who's allowing this, but we're back again for another week. Got another big episode coming up, uh, another interview with a, a special guest. He's uh, he's a man of many, many talents, we said, uh, coming up in the interview, so we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, there's a big Group 1 meeting at Flemington. It's Group 1 Maccabi Diva Stakes Day, uh, racing at Rose Hill as well. I think there's three Group 2s on the card at Rose Hill. The Theo Marks and the Run to the Rose are probably the most important out of then. And as always, uh, make sure you tune in to the end. We'll be doing the Get Out Stakes Challenge. We really need to lift there, Dino, just quietly. And the Group 1 Challenge as well. Mate, how are you doing on this uh, fine Thursday? Um, good afternoon or morning to listeners um, and the punters. I'm doing well. I've just cracked open my second beer, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but no, I'm doing good on a Thursday afternoon. I uh, had a big late night last night. Got all my form pretty much done for the weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm doing good, mate. Keen to get stuck into this and very keen to get our guest on. That's it, mate. You're operating on about four hours sleep, so I've been told. Absolute machine. So that beer must be tasting quite good. And the beer of the week for you is? This week, uh, shout out to one of my work colleagues, uh, Tommy the Gun, he goes by, Tom Iceland, he recommended me uh, Hawks Lager. So I went down the bottle after work this afternoon, picked myself up a six-pack, and I enjoy it. I really like this beer, actually. It's um, probably not for everyone. It's got a bit of a different taste, a bit of a punch in the face sort of uh, kick, but I really enjoy it. Now... What are you on to this, mate? May we we traveling the world again, or are we we're sticking local? We are traveling the world, actually. And just quickly on those on those hawks, they're good. Uh, I think there's two. Have you which which one did you get the lager? Because there's two other ones as well. There's a uh, I think it's an XPA, and there's another one as well. That all three of them are really crack. Yeah, I got the lager. I tossed up between that and the pale ale, and I did see there was a, um, a third one in a yellow can. I think it was. Yep. I can't the, – the name is beyond me at the moment, but I did I was intrigued by that. It was on sale too, so I nearly went that way. But, no, nah, I went with the lager this week. No, nah, they're all good, those three. Righto, I have gone uh, – I'll give you a little backstory of to the one I've chosen here. It's Yuli's Brews uh, Seabass Mediterranean Lager. Now, obviously, due to uh, COVID-19 this year, uh, I couldn't join the rest of the – 22-year-old eastern suburbs people on the Greek islands. Uh, so I picked up this one, and I like to think that I'm just sitting here 
as if I'm sitting in Mykonos uh, drinking a very good Mediterranean lager. So actually goes all right as well, 1.3 standards. On to my second one as well. Probably won't have any more, otherwise the end of the podcast would get quite messy. Uh, but no, would definitely, definitely <laughs> recommend this if you want to feel like if you want to feel like you're sailing the Adriatic, mate, pick up one of these little sea bass lager. <laughs> now, yeah, a bit of a rundown on, uh, on, on the week's racing. Big weekend for you week, uh, last week, Dino, mate. Dreamforce is the one that stood out for me that you tipped up to the followers. A good, uh, strong all the way win. How'd you, how'd you find last week? Yeah, I was a bit concerned early doors. I sort of took the meeting, um, like we said on the podcast. I think we both had uh, Mooney Valley and Ranwick playing a touch on speed. So I did most of my form for that. And um, after the first sort of three races, I thought mm, I might be a bit in trouble here. My two main plays were leaders in the sort of later races, but uh, upon review, uh, you could see that the first sort of three races, they went at a hectic speed, so it uh, inclined all the back markers sort of run on, but throughout the day, it evened out, thought the track played outstanding. Um, Dreamforce, cracking winner, I think that's two years in a row. Um, love a horse that sits out front, dictates, had to do a little bit of work early too, so I think the the run had some merit, but... Um, on a whole, it was a it was a nice day. Um, I thought the track played outstanding. Um, Mooney Valley, I thought um, I sort of took on what you said on the podcast to play a little bit on pace. I thought it did to an extent, but I thought outside of that, it sort of played pretty pretty fair. How did you see him on um, on Saturday? Yeah, look, it, it I've got a uh, not so much backtrack a, a bit on what I said last week, but to its credit. The Valley uh, last Saturday did, in fact, play probably the best I've seen it play in a very long time. I think uh, going back and looking at a few of the races, um, a few horses that were on speed did really poorly, not because of any any pattern, but just because they had an off day. So Age of Chivalry is one that comes to mind um, that just was up on speed and put in an absolute stinker. So it can it can make it seem as though... Uh, the track was playing really fair and really well, but um, I think still going forward, I, I'd suggest to everyone that you've got to be looking at horses up on the speed. But some big wins. How Romantic was good. That it started the day really well. Just hung on. Uh, I was in the car down to Canberra. Um, my <laughs> mate had a phone next to me. We were banging the steering wheel and all that. So it was a good start to the day. And then uh, that win of showmanship, um, really impressive, really, really impressive in that age of chivalry race. Reeled off some great sectionals. I know we spoke about it, um, but yeah, that was a that was a big win and uh, I'm starting maybe to come on to Team Pike a little bit. I'm not sure, um, but it was a good win. It was a good win by Showmanship. Now joining us on the podcast this week is our second guest, our second of many guests, and uh, he's a man of many talents. I must say, uh, an ex professional sports player who now uh, splits his time between coaching, punting, and running content for the well-known tipping platform, The Great Tip-Off. He's a very astute punter and very close friend of the show, Michael Gannon. Mate, welcome. Thanks for coming on. How are you going? Thank you, Lewis, mate. Uh, Absolutely flying. How about you? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Typical uh, Thursday here in the luscious suburbs of the Eastern Beaches, doing a bit of form and all that. How How do you spend your Thursdays, mate, coming up to the weekend? Um, I am editing a whole lot of content from you boys and getting it ready for the punters across the country. Um, that's pretty much in between dropping the kids off and picking the children up from school. 
far out. Busy life, mate. I haven't got any kids yet that I know of, so I'll get to that. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be in that basket eventually. Now, kicking off here, Dean and I, we want to know a bit about uh, your background. Obviously, it's a bit of an interesting one, an ex-professional golfer. I'll let you, uh, you know, uh, elaborate on that. Uh, what's the lowest round you've ever shot just quickly? Uh, seven under. Um, I've got a bit deeper than that, but got a bit nervous a few times. So, yeah, yeah seven, under, seven under is the best I've had. Now, what elaborate on your 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 ex professional golfing life for us? Yeah, so I spent about uh, well close to five or six years um, playing golf on tour. I guess you could call it. Um, most of my time playing in Australia, mixed mixed success. You know, a few cut few cuts made here, probably more cuts missed than made. Um, not probably, definitely. Um, spent a bit of time over here playing in Asia, China, more specifically. It was good fun. Um, by no means was it what you call a or define a successful stint, but um, had plenty of plenty of fun, learned plenty of valuable lessons. Um, sure, they were probably expensive lessons, but probably held me in good stead for uh, the next chapter in my life. Now, what about your background in the game, Michael? Um, when did you sort of catch that, the racing bug that we all sort of uh, get caught up in, some call it disease, some call it a bug? Um, when did you sort of get, get first into the great game? Um, mate, definitely a bug. I love it. I Very, very young. So from a young age, my granddad would go to the uh, tab up at uh, Upper Gordon on the North Shore of Sydney. Um, every Saturday and after 40 I'd um, chime in with him and just uh, tag along head out to the tab as a youngster I think probably had my uh, my first bet as a or investment as a uh, five-year-old uh, obviously he put he was placing the bets for me um, I don't think I had a winning bet for probably my first 20 attempts so I was going uh, going like a bastard uh, but there's a funny sort of story attached to that where back in the day you used to fill out the tickets, right? You boys are probably a little bit too young. The tickets were the size of about an A5 piece of paper. Um, not sure if you remember that, boys. No, no idea. <laughs> anyway, a uh, few of the listeners no doubt will. So I did a, um, a box, half box trifecta, which is basically a 50 cent um, stake for, for, for three, a unit for $3 cost. Anyway, it turns out it gets up, right? Pays four hundred or paid eight nine hundred bucks, get four hundred and fifty bucks back. And uh, long story short, we had to hide that from the rest of the family for a good uh, five or six years. That's pretty good. How yeah, good that? That might be talking nineteen nineties, right? So that's about a million dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Interesting fact, actually. My first ever bet was the exact same. It was a half box trifecta in the two thousand and ten. Uh, Melbourne Cup. I think it paid similar. I remember mum walking home with four hundred dollars worth of fifty dollar notes and um, throwing at me. I think since then I've caught the bug as well. Now, um, memorable wins on the punt. Um, I always love to sort of bring this up. Love to chat about it. Can you think of any recently or historically? Um, look, my most memorable wins on the punt generally come from when you've been, you know, spruiking a runner for weeks. Or, or um, the other hand, you're either you know out with, out with some mates um, and you're getting everyone on board. I think there's two that probably really stand out for me. Makai um, Bediva in 2005. Um, I think at that stage, I've had my biggest bet ever um, on her in the cosplay. Uh, she was you know easy to say after the fact that she looked unbeatable. Um, and then 
there was the watering of the tracks and I followed up, went all in um, on, uh, on the cup, what's it, 10 days later. So that was probably for me as from a betting standpoint, my boldest play. Um, but the 2006 Melbourne Cup um, was probably have to be my favourite um, all-time racing moment. Uh, backed in the year before in the derby, uh, had to wait 12 months. Um, I was hoping Lloyd was going to back him up but on the Tuesday, but there was absolutely no chance that was going to happen right as a three-year-old. Um, had to wait 12 months for the chance to uh, get on him again. He'd been going like a busted all prep. I knew the 3,200 at Flemington was, was going to be the target. And I fast forward Melbourne Cup Day, as you do, um, through the boys and their partners. We booked a table at Icebergs for the day. Hopped in the bus and dead set. Like on the way down, you couldn't shut me up. I was just working it. I would probably be yelling out the window to anyone that would listen. Efficient <laughs> was just going to win. I just didn't care who you were. I was going to tell you. Anyway, we ended up having um, a great start today, backing winners left, right and centre. Great vibe in at, at Icebergs. It was all happening. And everyone's sort of coming up going, oh, these guys must know what we're doing. And look, at that stage of our lives, we were all just, you know, think you think we, were, we knew what we were doing, but we were probably a bit wet behind the ears there. And anyway, we're just like back efficient, back efficient. You know, we're 12 beers deep. It's breaking this, breaking this thing. Anyway, it's one and the place has just gone off. So that's cool. uh, that would have to be uh, my, my standout um, standout memory. Surely you didn't pay for any any beers at the icebergs after that that day. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 it was the first time I've ever been at a venue where they were writing checks to people because they had no money to pay them out. What a cleaner! Oh, <laughs> and that's unlike the icebergs too. Usually full of cash that place. <laughs> yeah, there's about a hundred. <laughs> yeah, there's about a hundred people in there. I'd say so. It was it was a book that it was pretty booked down. No, I don't, mate. I'd be surprised if anyone didn't back it. So, wow, unbelievable. Now, I to go from to go from a hundred percent to zero percent. Is there a bad beat uh, or something you know a bit rough that you can remember? I've got a few. I'll start off um, as as early as yesterday at Sandown. I knew she was mine. Um, I tipped out on Twitter on. Uh, Tuesday, I think it was, or Monday, it was 27 bucks. Uh, it's been going like a busted all prep, but it just comes back to Sandown. It's a track and trip specialist. Anyway, it was about 27 bucks. Uh, it jumped yesterday at about $7 and went down by an official margin of 0.1 lengths. So that was a bit of sourness for my Wednesday. There was another one as well. This is probably my worst bad beat historically that I can remember. We had a horse, Handsome Return. Uh, obviously went and won the Catherine Cup a few months ago, but it was racing in uh, Adelaide in a – I can't remember what – it was some kind of finals race. Um, and I was – I'm 20 – I would have been 19 at the time, so it was two years ago. Um, and I've had a probably the biggest bet I've had on a horse at, to that time. And I won't tell you what it is in case my parents are listening. Um, but had a real good crack at it. And it got done by uh, Chapel City, who I think was just paying some cricket score on. $131, I think, something like yeah, that. Some some yeah. crazy number like that. And that was probably my biggest beat. So have you got any memorable ones? Mate, just just quickly, how about I knew she was mine. That's uh, aptly uh, named horse to get done, done on, isn't it? Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> mate, there is. And... This one still gives me nightmares to today, and it must be the most replayed and used audio in the history of racing, which is just torture. You boys want to have a guess at what it is? 
I'm trying to think. You got. Um, in fact, I, I listened to your podcast with two uh, two weeks ago, and I think you guys use it in your uh, opening. Uh, uh, is it Chautauqua being English? Possibly. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. <laughs> much, much the same story, right? So I've loaded up on English, um, headed out to mate's Bucks party, around the harbour and the Bucks party. As you do, all the punters congregate to one side of, you know, the boat or the area. We're sitting there, we're punting and things are going okay and I start declaring it, right? Once again, six deep, you start declaring these things. <laughs> anyway, so we're at the, at the 400 metres and I've just turned the boys and I'm like, we're home. We are home here, and I've, look, I've got a bit of a reputation of going early with the uh, horses. That uh, um, anyway, at the three hundred, we're home by four lengths, boys. Like we're we're here, two hundred meters, we're carrying on like absolute pelicans, and then Flindell chimes in with the old shit. <laughs> we're very late. Well, didn't <laughs> the mood take a uh, a turn for the worst? But you know what? That that's. That's completely your fault. The, I didn't know you were an early crow man. If you're an early crow man, I can't believe you. That, it, that was never going to win. <laughs> um, I've got a tape. <laughs> That's bad. That's I was bad. an early crow man. I have learned my lesson. Yeah, I think I think there'd be some mouths shut this time uh, if you're at a Bucks party again and something's flying down the outside. No more early crow. That's uh, that's a classic though. That was a good win. By Chautauqua. But even you you saw, I think there's videos of Gay Waterhouse like almost celebrating doing a, a bit of an early crow herself in the stands. And then uh, I know I've never been one to see Gay swear, but and I'm no lip reader again, but I'm pretty sure I was I could see what she was saying when it got nutted on the post. Um, did you see it at the two hundred? It was no chance. Yeah, gone. Still behind. I think what well, it was still behind a few horses at the two hundred. Hadn't even got around heels yet. It was behind the ambulance. It was unbelievable. <laughs> well, that's very sick. That's very sick. Now, tell us uh, for for the listeners who are unfamiliar. Uh, obviously, you're the head of content at the Great Tip Off, which is an online tipping platform, uh, and they obviously also do a lot of other stuff, which I'll let you explain. But for those of us who are unfamiliar, uh, tell us about what the Great Tip Off is and and how the system works. Yeah, so we do we do a fair bit, um, you know, for the punters. Essentially, we aggregate media, pro, semi-pro, some social media tipsers, and punters are like tips. Uh, we put them on the site. Um, so basically, any tip that's in the punters, uh, so that's in the public domain, by an older tipster. So you know, we're talking about a Tony Brazel, Brad Davidson, Dean Lester, Ron Duffy, even Lewis yourself when you're tipping on best bets. We'll, we'll pick that up and we'll, we'll put that into our system to record that. Um, then you have, you know, guys along the lines of Dean who is doing his own thing, which is fantastic, um, who is free to come and enter their tips into the site as well. It's, a great, um, it's great for the punters to come on board, have a look at how each tips is performing. Um, you can sort through the data of, uh, 365, 180, 90 days, 30 days, down to seven days. You can go to different tracks. You can compare your own tips if you just want to chime in and throw your own tips in and compare yourself to the best in the business. You can do that as well. And just a heads up for anyone that, that sort of is interested as well, um, by about 12 noon at the latest on a Saturday, we, we pretty much have, you know, you can jump on board and see, um, what all the you know racing.com and sky tips is sort of tip for the day so it's a um, pretty pretty good when it comes to a punting resource there 
Yeah, I like what you say there. Especially, I think um, you get the sort of up and coming punters or the people who sort of don't have a platform. I really like that the great tip off gives those punters a, a platform and closes the gap between them and sort of the racing media or the, your pros. Um, how do you think the great tip off is improving the racing scene um, socially or competitively? Yeah, look, I think, you know, there's a couple of things, right? So as you said, Dean, we are closing that gap between the, you know, the media punters, the, the pro punters and the, and the rising stars. Um, as an example, we're doing $60,000 in, in tip sales last month, which is a pretty incredible number. And as far as I can see, that's just probably the that probably would place um, the great tip off as the, the leading tip sales site in the country. Um, so I think that, that that's huge, uh, having the likes of you know Dean Lester and and David Bailey and Mark Hunter providing their premium package through the site is great. But it means we get plenty of punters to the site. But it also means you know guys like you know Lewis and and, and yourself being that um, the same people that are looking at their stuff, they get to now come and, and look at your stuff as well. Um, and if you guys are flying, you guys are up there on the leaderboard, so everyone gets to see how well you're going. The other thing I'd say is, you know, we offer um, heaps of free insights, you know, daily best bets, feature race previews. We're always publishing those leaderboards across um, social media as well. So it's um, look, it, it's something we're continuing to build. Uh, we have a huge announcement basically coming up early next week, which is just a genuine game changer for punters and tipsters alike. So. Stay tuned for that. I can't give you any more info, um, but stay tuned for that as well. That's a bit of a Clarks of the Course uh, hot off the press special there for the listeners. Big yeah, thing coming something. this week. Bit of something. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I think about, uh, well, the biggest thing for me, especially improving as a punter, is accountability. And I think the best way to be accountable for your own betting is to make it public. If you put something out there, obviously in the media or everything, something everyone can sort of see. Obviously, you're going to work that extra little bit, that extra hour, do that extra race replay to sort of <clears throat> fine-tune your tips. How important do you think it is to have a platform that records your results, your tips, your your, statist- your statistics, yeah, your profit on turnover, all that sort of stuff? How, how important do you think that is? I think it's huge, right? Like there's, there's plenty of guys out there spruiking, spruiking their, their services, um, they're winning products to their uh, subscribers as such. Um, and I would, you know, I would honestly push the like anyone from the likes of a Tom Waterhouse all the way down to a, uh, you know, the post race experts on Twitter. Like, there is no reason why you shouldn't be, if you're offering this winning product, there's no reason why you shouldn't be coming to the site and entering your tips and, and really, you know, verifying your results. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with with both of what you've said there, it's really important that um, not only you can record your own results, but you can also see how other people are going. And um, that's not in terms of, you know, looking at who's going bad or who's going good. It's just when you've got big guys on the site that are, you know, renowned tipsters that you look up to, it's good to be able to go in and see who they've been selecting. And you almost get a bit of an insight into uh, their mind as a, as a punter and a, and a form analyst. So, the fact yeah. that it's all public there for you is really good. And, and the, the news articles and, and the uh, tips articles that come out during the week are also really good. You build up a really strong brand of guys who all uh, give tips and you haven't missed any areas either. You've you, you got guys tipping all over Australia. So that's also good to uh, good to see. 
Yeah, look, it's fantastic. You know, we've even just picked up uh, Shireen Wu in, um, in in Hong Kong as well. So she's covering the uh, usually Wednesdays and then the, the weekends in Hong Kong for us. So that's a great asset. And, uh, you know, we go down to the Riverina with Kurt Burns, who's just absolutely flying. He is a genuine uh, star on the rise in the, uh, in the punting world. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we like to cover a lot. Boys, just, just back on that, I just wanted to make mention – of the previous uh, previous question, you know, you'd be shocked at the amount of tips and professional services that the um, the boys have approached that have actually shied away from having their tips verified. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? You know what the feedback generally is? It's just that they're, they're afraid of being verified at a top tote SP um, price, and they would prefer to be you know done at the fixed price of their choice or the Betfair uh, SP, which the problem that you're going to get there is that th- those aren't available to e- to everyone all the time. And I, and I get the fact that, you know, best tote SP isn't available to everyone as well, but for the people that they're selling to, the retail punters, that, that is available. So we found a lot of the time there's a bit, there can be anywhere from 30% profit on turnover difference between the prices that they publicize versus uh, what we are recording at. So you're getting a lot of value when you are coming and, and, and having your tips are verified at the site as well. Sorry, I just thought I'd throw that one in there. No, well, that's good because that was part of my next question anyway is that everyone's tips on the site are recorded at um, top tote price and you've basically already answered why that is anyway. Um, but yeah. that it's just and – it's, and it's for sake of uh, evenness, I guess, throughout the site as well. Hundred percent. You know, like, let's say that um, Dean, Dean says, "Oh, look, you know, I, I've got um, seventeen dollars with UBET, and it's, you know, fourteen dollars everywhere else, and eleven, and then all of a sudden he's backed in and it's into nines. There's no way we all could have got on at fourteens or seventeens. So it does. And I and look, we do understand that obviously sometimes horses, you know, you've tipped one at twenty one dollars to to your subscribers or to your um, followers, and it does start six fifty. But that's the same for everybody." Yeah, I think it's very key. I can sort of elaborate a little bit on that, especially with my results for the barrier attendant. I record uh, three different sets of prices. I record top tote, uh, fixed when posted, and SP. And I can go live example right now. Um, since the 17th of the 8th last month, uh, fixed prices are up 22.81 uh, units compared to top tote, which sits at 11.875. So already there you can sort of see 10 or so units difference only in a month just purely on prices. So that's a big thing, especially for, for mine. If I'm sort of asking for someone's advice or if you're sort of looking to follow someone tips, I, I would definitely recommend asking how they re- record results because, like you said, you can sort of make your results look a lot better by using fixed odds when posted when really no one else could sort of get that price um, when posted. So you make a very, very good point. That, that's sort of... One of the things that draws me and I like about um, the great tip-off for sure. Um, now, moving on, back to your personal punting. Um, we want to dive into a bit of your mind and how you like to uh, undertake your New South Wales form analyst. Uh, tell us a little bit how you approach your form. Feedback, ratings, trials, etc. cetera, uh, let us into your mind when you sit down on a Wednesday and start your form for Saturdays. Sure thing. So um, extremely time poor these days. So gone are the days of being able to watch every single trial and um, every single replay, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone that, that does do that will 
you know, honestly tell you that they are spending, you know, 40 hours a week upwards if you're focusing on a state at least. Um, I don't have that much time available to me. Um, so I can't take as big a deep dive as I like, but what, what I sort of developed is just a bit of a formula that works pretty well for me in regards to uh, my own betting Um a pretty painless process basically I, I try and avoid assessing any races over 2000 meters um, obviously that is unavoidable at some stages but I, I, I try and avoid that I tend to find that unless it's a um, you know a group race we were starting to talk about some slower some slower horses here um, and this, you know th- those sort of races in Sydney they just seem to be they just take turns each week the bit of a mystery and I like to sort of avoid um, 1100 meter races and under as well so all of a sudden instead of having nine races I might only have six percent the starting point uh, then I like to sort of just dig out some historical data onto how the track's playing um, at its current setup so then I'll go straight to checking the weather conditions and just making a judgment on what a potential bias is I like to really sort of make my mind up on what it what it is, um, what I think it's going to be, and, and then potentially, you know, what it could be. You know, generally speaking, it's hard to go wrong. If you're looking at five years' worth of data, if you've got that data available to you and you're looking at that, not often, surely once, in, you know, once every now and then it's wrong, but not often you get that wrong. It is a big effort to go back and do that, but it's really, you know, once you've been doing it for a while, you get used to it. From there, basically, just jump in and do some speed maps in each of those races that I've chosen, assess the chances of um, sort of each runner according to the speed maps and how I see the, the track playing. Usually, I'll find a handful of runners in each race that, um, that you know, that I can narrow my focus on from there. Uh, I will do my own prices and then I'll, then I'll assess from there whether or not I'm going to bet or not. Um, so it's not a relatively painless process, but it probably, you know, I'm looking at least an hour on each race that I'm, you know, looking in. I will go back and watch the replays um, of at least the last few races. Look, I'm not a big ratings fan. I know they're so readily available. Um, they do cost a bit of money, but, you know, in 2020, we're getting these ratings. I know for a fact the bookies have the same, if not similar ratings, you know, so a lot of the market already is dictated by those ratings. So for me, I can't find an edge there. I'm sure some people do, but I just don't see that being a long-term viable um, way for me to make any money. Um, And as far as trials go, there is probably losing an edge on trials these days as well. There's a lot of people jumping on board there. Mate, it's a shame that you are – You've you've focused on eleven hundred meters and above because there's some great eight hundred eight hundred meter races at Cessnock and Cotswold that you're just letting go through to the keeper, and I'm not sure why. (laughs) Jump lead win. (laughs) Yeah, the the blink and miss it. That's it's an outstanding race. Um, I love Cessnock, by the way. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, apart from when it's a firm one, because they're just unfortunately not getting any rain up there. True. Uh, Now, just quickly, I've seen that you've started to expand a little bit. into Victoria and some other areas midweek uh, when you're having a punt? What's the reason for that? Or, or can you tell us how you find uh, form in New South Wales and form in Victoria different? Um, I am chiming into Victoria racing um, because the boys have asked me to. It's not, it's, not, it's not necessarily something that I – 
love doing, but it is is that a necessity? I, I still will spend. I'll, I'll use I'll use the same formula, but I'll narrow my margins down again. So I'll just focus on twelve hundred to sixteen hundred there. And just because I is a you know I feel that there's more re- reliable horses in those distance ranges, and then I'll just go to work. I'll, I'll, I'll go to stewards reports. I'll go to gear changes. I will then watch replays, and I'll find something. Uh, I actually enjoy looking at you know the jump out. I enjoy that side of thing. It's a bit of investigation sort of work going on there, where you can find something that no one else really is aware of. Um, I haven't really hit my straps there yet. I was just doing the Monday and Tuesday meetings. Uh, I had a bit of luck early on, um, but it's sort of evening out now. But I'll definitely keep doing it because, you know, I think there is a, there is a, a bit of an edge there if you're watching the jump outs. Um, also um, a good contributor to the great tip-off, um, young Ben Bear, who I always hit up for a bit of – he watches all the jump outs, so I always hit him up for a bit of um, bit of advice on how he thinks – horses are going or if there's anything I may have missed that he can give me a heads up on. So I, I will definitely lean on him um, a, a bit and probably a bit more into the back end of the year as well. You make a very good point there with the uh, Victorian jump outs. We had a member of the trial files on last week on the podcast, um, Tom Haylock, and he mentioned that exact um, that exact edge sort of down in Melbourne where they're sort of not broadcast as well as they are in New South Wales. So there's definitely an edge there if you can do the investigation. Um, now, moving on to form analysts. Um, we all sort of have one or two that we follow growing up or that we learn off. Uh, who in the industry do you look up to? It's a good question. This might sound a bit rude, but uh, no one really in particular. Um I have a huge respect for anyone that's willing to put their thoughts out there and even more so their hard-earned. Uh, I can't say I look up to anyone in the industry, um, but in, in not necessarily in the industry, but as, as a tipster, I know they all work super, super hard. Um, I, I mean, I'm probably a big fan growing up of watching um, – the show on RaceNet that uh, Clinton Payne, uh, Nick Ashman, I think Glenn Pollock was on. I thought that was a bit of banter, but uh, a, bit, a bit of good banter with some really good information coming through. Um, yeah, I can't really pinpoint a person, so boys. Well, that's disappointing. Dean and I put that question in there because we thought we'd get a bit of love. But uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now the Kosciuszko, uh, the Kosciuszko t- uh, winners, I guess, came out on Monday. Uh, and since then, in over the past 48 hours or, or, or more, there's been a big uh, push to try and secure a horse. Now, I'm just going to do a bit of a hypothetical, um, but if you were a lucky winner of a, of a Kosciuszko slot, Michael, what horse would you be angling for in the race uh, and why? Or if that horse is already in there, tell us why you think uh, it's it's the best selection. Yeah, unfortunately, the Blue Gum Hotel didn't, win any, uh, didn't get any winners, so that ruled me out. But, um, look, I, I think there was – first of all, there's only two horses that I would choose, right? It's me or front page at this point in time. If I couldn't get those two, I'd just wait. Hmm. The, for those of us who live in Sydney, um, the weather is the dead set uh, mixed bag at the moment. What I'd hate to do is choose this a second stringer who loves the dry tracks. We turn up Everest Day and it's been raining for six days, mm. and you're done. You're not a ch- you. You will not be the ambulance home. You you well, you get a couple of tickets to the races, and that's it. So 
if I didn't get those two, I would um, I would just hold tight. Or the other alternative, which I'm not sure, I'm sure some some have done this, but I'd be, you know, speaking to the Cody Morgans of the world or the Kavanaghs of the world or potentially um, Danny Williams and who have more than one and saying, listen, you've got our slot, but we want we want to choose from three or four horses uh, three weeks out. Mm. That's a good idea, actually, to, to, to pick a trainer almost because I think Cody Morgan, uh, he's already got about four or five in the race already. So if you were to give an exclusivity to a trainer and say, get your best four together and start them on a program and then uh, you'd be much easier to see which one's going better uh, when it comes closer to race day. Yeah, well, you, yeah, mate, you heard it here first, so... <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, actually, if anyone does that, there's two slots left in the Kosciuszko. If any of those oh, people are right. listening, uh, don't steal Michael's idea. And if you do, I'm sure he wants a percentage of the. We can split it a third, boys. That's fine. Yeah, that's true. For what it's worth, I uh, agree with front page. There's one that just got nabbed up recently that I completely forgot about. Uh, but when it got its slot, I said to myself, yeah, you know what, that's actually a cracking collection. Lord Von Costa. No, uh, knock. no knock. What, yeah. do you, what do you reckon, Dean? Uh, I thought the first sort of horses to go would have been a horse called Man of Peace. I think uh, we had a pretty quality field uh, a couple of weeks back. Loves the wet, loves the dry, front running, makes its own luck out in front. I'm surprised it wasn't one of the first to go. But I like what you said, sort of. I'd be waiting for sure. I think everyone's sort of got that mad rush, um, bit of excitement, but especially you can sort of see in the Everest as well, the, the horses that sort of the ones that have run well or um, won it, yes, 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 last year, they've sort of been the last picked or they've waited to see which horses are actually in form sort of two, three weeks out from the race. So I think that's a great point. Um, I'd sort of be waiting. Um, I think you could sort of miss the boat by locking in one real early just to sort of for the reason of it. That's it. Now, Michael, before we let you go, have you had a look at uh, at racing this weekend? Have you been heading the books today? Uh, last night, mate. Got stuck in last night. I haven't done much today. Uh, took a few few early early prices um, on a couple of things, mate. Yeah. Well, if you've, have you got any good things out there for the battlers this weekend? <laughs> battlers that listen to this podcast. All right, I got three. Oh, I got three. I got three for you. All right, you ready? Go so. Rose Hill Race 3, Yonkers. Uh, I think it's around 7.50, something like that. Flew home last start. Um, two from four second up. Never missed a place. It's one from one at the 1,800 metres. Look, there is a question mark over the tactics from the gates. Um, Louise Day is on board with the three kilos. I really hope they go forward. They probably won't. I hope they do. Um, if they go forward, I think, you know, she could probably slot in midfield with cover. Um, bad luck is probably the only thing that I can see beating it, to be honest, or, or, or a serious track bias. The next one will be um, Rose Hill Race 5, Jet Propulsion. Um, now, it's up against um, Mwanga, but... Look, this this horse did enough last start at Newcastle, suggesting go to the next level. Um, second and third have both won well since, and I think you're getting thirteen dollars. So on an each way basis, I think that's a really really good bet. I know um, Tommy, I think Tommy Berry's aboard there, and in the like on my speed map, I, I've got it sitting just third, just sitting on pace, just 
doing its thing and, and, and it'll have the first crack at them. And, you know, I suggest it's a, it's a huge chance. Uh, and in the last race, there's two I really like. The first one, you think I'm mad, uh, a Mito. It's about $19. Uh, had two trials leading into its first start run. It missed the start first up. It was probably flat most of the straight, but it made, you know, it was a bit of speed on, but it made made pretty good ground late. But if you get a chance, just go watch what it was doing three, 150 to 200 to 300 metres past the post. So we just, just wanted to keep going, um, which is a pretty good indication that the, the step up to 1,500 metres second up is going to suit. The other runner that I was interested in that race, um, which I probably won't back yet, is is in is it on Tont. Um, we should just probably get a uh, be much better suited over the fifteen hundred meters, and we'll get a pretty good time of it in front with the stable mate probably just leading him up, or probably just sit outside the stable mate. Beautiful. What do you think about those three, Dean? Have you got any comment? Um, actually, I really like uh, Amito in the last. I thought the exact same. It was a weird run. I watched that replay five or six times and thought, what's doing at the top of the straight? Gets warmed up late over that last 50 sort of metres, and I thought that was uh, very eye-catching. I picked it out of the trial, so I liked the first start, but didn't back it on the Kenzo, and I'm shit scared of Yonkers. Um, I'm keen to back. She's ideal, so um, that's a horse I'm very, very worried about, so I'm not sure if I'll back it going off Gano's thoughts there. I think with Amido, Dean, I think, mate, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if the Kenzo, obviously the 1250 wasn't ideal, but I don't think the Kenzo is its track either. You know, you're really going to be building in, building momentum, building momentum, and it just didn't really suit. Obviously, Mr. Start as well, but I think the 1500-meter Rose Hill, I think $19, mate, by the time we get off this podcast, hopefully it'll be into 10s and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be off and gone. That's it. Come dollars on play up so maybe you've slapped the old uh back the old truck up and dumped it on the play up odds now you know just quickly before we let you go uh dean and i always talk about uh what beer we're drinking at the start of the podcast but we also like to talk about what our favorite beverage is on a saturday on the couch in front of sky one what's your go-to uh made a sucker for a bolter xpa yeah good drop don't mind that yeah, it's about it, mate. I'm getting a bit old these days, so I'm um, sneaking into a, a, a gin, a, a gin every now and then as well. Classy, like yeah. it. That's it, righto. Well, mate, thanks for coming on the podcast, Michael. We really appreciate you talking a bit of racing and, and telling us all about the great work that the Great Tip Off is doing. Listeners, obviously, if you want to, uh, if you've got some good tips and you've got some good ideas and you want to spruik them, uh, join up and post them online for everyone to see. Get involved. Uh, and it's always good to take on those who are doing it professionally as well to see how you step up. Michael, thanks for coming on, mate. Have a uh, good day on Saturday, wherever you're punting, and um, we'll, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Hayes, boys. Really appreciate it. It was good uh, good to have a chat, and uh, best of luck for the weekend. Thanks again there to Michael Gannon for coming on the pod. That was a great yarn, Dean. He's a good chat. He's a good yarn, isn't he, Michael? Yeah, I really enjoy that, actually. Um, I've spoke to Michael a couple of times, probably similar to you, on uh, Twitter for the great tip-off. But it's always great to sort of put a voice to, uh, to a person like that. You can sort of get to know them a lot better, see sort of what racing does for them. They're not just a computer on there posting results, posting content. They actually do have a big love for the game. So, no, cracking, cracking interview. Really enjoyed that. Um from there, we'll move on. We'll start with the Group 1 um, meeting down at Flemington, uh, McIvy Diva State's Day. 
Um, currently rated a good four. Track is the rail, sorry, is back to the true. But uh, speaking a little bit earlier, you said there could be some possible rain. Um, how do you say, how do you sort of recommend to the punters to take that meeting? What have you done your form on? Yeah, I, I've look, we know that. Uh, so this is basically the setup. There's 10 to 20 mils of rain expected on Saturday, so says the Bureau. Um, we know that Flemington has, of course, excellent drainage. And I'm assuming this week uh, the track would have been prepared uh, with obviously the, the impending rainfall in mind. But if you're getting 10 to 20 mils, I, it can definitely downgrade a track like Fleming to a soft five, maybe a soft six. So I've kind of done my form on that. I wasn't looking for real wet trackers, but also if you had a horse that's you know obviously just a dead set dry tracker, then that was a bit of uh, a bit of a negative to me. But rail back in the true uh, group one day of racing should be an absolute cracker, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's sort of a lot of Sydney horses as well are, are popping down there, especially the couple of the three-year-old ranks. So it shapes up to be a cracking day. You've got the return of the likes of Russ and Camelot. Um, you've got horses like Fierce Impact, Savitiano, um, Arcadia Queen's back. So... There's a lot of good name horses popping up down the Flemington Strait, and I always love. And I think most punters do love betting at that track. I think it's a very profitable track for myself and yours included. Uh, we'll move on to your first bet. Comes up in race two. Uh, which way are we leaning? Yeah. So speaking of uh, Sydney horses coming down, that's the way I've lent here in race two. It's a fourteen hundred meter listed event. Quick look at the speed. Bartley goes forward. Immortal Love uh, will as well. So you can from barrier two, probably lobs up in behind that speed. Uh, back in the field, National Choice and Iron Edge, the Mick Price, Michael Kent Jr. pair, uh, will likely lob back with each other. Now, my selection here, as I was saying, that Sydney horse that's coming down is the eight Bartley. Uh, and I've let with him, just from a, a, a price perspective, I, f- I find this a very uh, even race. It's going to be a very good race. Lots of uh, genuine winning hopes in it. But just at the current price that I found him, I thought Bartley was the bet. So third up here uh, and down to Melbourne for the first time. And that's off the back of a really dominant win uh, in easier grade last start. So benchmark 72 at Warwick Farm last start. Uh, He got out the back off a hot tempo, rounded up the field with complete ease and put them away very impressively. To me, it had all the earmarks of a group level horse uh, just off the eye. And the times backed it up as well. was really good on the clock. Uh, So I love the fact that the Snowden team uh, have sent him down here to this listed race. He comes out to 1,400 metres now, uh, third up, which is going to be ideal. Uh, Obviously, this is a harder race, but he gets some weight relief for it. He's down two and a half kilos from last start. Uh, Zara is booked to ride. That's a really positive booking. Uh, Obviously, Zara uh, riding in really strong form at the moment, looking like being one of the leading uh, contenders for the Jockeys Series during the spring. So I'm really happy that they've put him on. Um, yeah, as I said, look, it is a harder race, but he just he looks all over a group horse to me. I think he settles handier this time from barrier three. Obviously, McDonald dragged him back uh, in that Warwick Farm race and just let that speed go. It was a perfect bit of riding. Here from the, from the inside draw or, or towards the inside, I think they're able to park much closer up handy to the speed. Uh, and I'm really keen to be with him at the price. I had him marked... and I know that better than that's available. I'll make a quick mention of a few others. Obviously, Immortal Love, who I um, tipped 
when it won in its first prep, and I've got a big opinion of it, uh, comes here second up off a strong Group 3 win fresh. Uh, it got way out the back and really pushed into the clear. Uh, Froggy knew it was really hard getting him out because he knew he had a good horse underneath him, and it won impressively on the line. There wasn't a much between a few in that race, so it looked a good a good form reference. Out to the 1,400 metres second up will help. Uh, last prep was a winner at this track and distance by three and a half lengths on wet ground. So that's obviously a big tick. tick. Uh, so if that rain does come, it shouldn't hurt a mortal love at all. My thing was top weight um, and just uh, do they go forward this time from barrier five? I'm not sure. I couldn't really figure out where to map it. Uh, and yeah, look, no real knocks, but I had a mortal love basically marked the same price as I did Bartley. So I was just willing more to be with Bartley in this race. So that's my tip, my first tip on the day. Race two, number eight. Yeah, I thought that win last start uh, at Warwick Farm had huge merit. I think the pattern of the day definitely there was on pace uh, leaders. And I don't think they went too quick out in front. Um, Return with Warner led them up that day, backed that horse. I thought we were home at the top of the straight. And he casually skipped around the outside and did it very, very arrogantly. Um, With that rain about, uh, I've got him down as a pure dry trucker. Is that a slight concern for you? Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm banking that uh, race two early in the day, good drainage, maybe it hasn't got that wet yet. Like if it starts before the rain, a good three, and we get, uh, obviously there'll be surface water and whatnot, um, you, know, you know, a bit of dew on the, on the top. But if it's uh, maybe low soft five by the time this race comes around, then I'm, I'd still be happy. Anything worse, as you said, is, is not a wet tracker. So anything worse... Uh, and I'm definitely changing the betting strategy, probably move to Immortal Love uh, and even Cross Haven are ones that I'd put above him if the rain does come. But just banking and, and almost a bit of fingers crossed stuff that the rain holds off a little bit until after race two. Perfect. Currently 4.40 with play up. Um, that's around the right price, as you mentioned. We'll move on to your second bet. Comes up in the following race, race three. Let's load stakes. Uh, we've got some classy field here. It looked on paper like it might have been a touch better. We still have some two sort of two in the top of the market, uh, very nice horses. Uh, how do you just split the top two? Yeah, it looks a great race. I'm I've split them quite easily. I'm very happy to be with one over the other. Quick look at the the speed over the fourteen hundred meters again here. Barriers staying the same. Uh, Savitiano, Lady Loft, South Bank. Uh, Bonvicini as well, are all ones that would likely lob up on the speed. Uh, I'm not sure who's exactly going to lead and sit 1-1 and et cetera, but they'll, it'll be between those those ones there, and I'm sure they'll figure themselves out. Arcadia Queen's an interesting one. Uh, maybe a lot of people would say that they'd like to see a more positive ride, but knowing Pikey from a wide barrier, he's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go back. Like that's he's. I think he came out during the week and said it himself uh, in an interview that that's just how his riding style has adapted, that he happens to go back and, and try and punch runs through the field. So I think Arcadia Queen goes back. Obviously, Fidelia is your noted back marker. Uh, she Shall Fly and Street Icon, and maybe a fair to remember, will go back as well. My bet here in uh, race three, I've gone for the favourite, the two, Savitiano. I'm really, really keen on this horse. This would be the best of my three. Second up here. Comes off a really strong win last start, fresh in equal grade at Caulfield over the 1,400 metres, so it sticks to equal grade and equal distance. It had the right run in transit that day at Caulfield, I won't lie, but uh, had to fight hard through the line to win. 
and did get the job done. I like when uh, mayors like this really grit their teeth and show a bit of tenacity to put their head out and win, and that's exactly what it did. It's got all the signs of a good horse when you're able to do that. The win rated really well uh, as well, so it indicates to me that the horse has returned in really good prep in really good order. This prep uh, for Barrier Four should get another suck run, as I said, almost mimics the run that it had last start, uh, and just genuinely would not have to have improved much at all off the first up effort uh, to be the top chance here. Now, obviously, the second one in the market is Arcadia Queen. I couldn't get it anywhere near Savatiano, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they come out of the same race. Uh, uh, Savatiano beat Arcadia Queen by two and a half lengths. Uh, Arcadia Queen wanted to over-race a little bit, probably wasn't suited by the slow tempo. But in saying that, I don't think it gets another quick tempo here. I think this is quite an evenly run race. Uh, and yes, it will improve second up, but so will Savantiano. So I think somehow from barrier 12, Arcadia Queen has to find two and a half lengths somewhere, and I don't, and I don't think it can. So I really didn't have them uh, as close to each other as they are in the market. I'm very happy to be with Savantiano. A little saver I might be having uh, if I can if I can swindle a two-bet play is on my gold bracelet, who uh, was first up in Oz last start for the Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr., Stable, it ran third at benchmark 90 grade over the 1,400 metres, but I thought the run uh, was full of merit. Fought back hard on the line, looked done, but really came back hard on the line, went close to winning, drops two kilos here from the rising grade, uh, but it's a group two winner in New Zealand, so I've got no doubt that she can measure up at this level, fitter and improved second up, and obviously uh, any rain about on the day would really, really help my gold bracelet. Thought it was overs uh, and could be the two-bet play. But Sabatiano, I've got marked $2.50, uh, and my gold bracelet, I've got at $6. So happy to be with Sabatiano on top. Maybe a small saver, my gold bracelet. Don't want to be with Arcadia Queen. Yeah, perfect. Um, slight question, I might catch you off guard here. i got to ask this question today, actually. Was the reasoning uh, for... The scratching of Savitiana last start in the Memsies, uh, I think a lot of people had uh, her on top that day and um, it was a late scratching. I think it was even after the first race potentially or before the first race. I'm not sure if you know the reasoning or why. No, I don't. You'd have to uh, – I do remember what you're talking about. I do remember what you're talking about, but I, I don't know why she was uh, why she was scratched that day. I agree. looked very uh, competitive in that Memsie event. Um, but also, also – possibly a blessing in disguise because I think she's now really perfectly set up for this event now. Yeah, exactly. That could purely be the reason for the scratching. I'll move on to your third and final bet comes up in race four. So we go race two, race three, race four. Uh, would be a nice start to the day to bank all these. Um, over the 1,200, the Bobby Lewis quality, uh, <clears throat> some exciting horses returning here. you got some Everest hopefuls. Um, which way did you lean? Yeah, it's a really good race here. Not an overly big field, but um, first try down the straight for the day. Uh, group 2 level 1,200 metres should be an absolute cracker. The speed, great again, and dollar for dollar are the two pace horses. They'll jump and lead, I would say, uh, and hell of a street. And the inevitable, there's two Scotty Brunton runners uh, not too far away either. Back in the field, Galaxy Raider. Rock Prophet and Zutori might be back, but not too far back. I think Galaxy Raid is your only back marker here. So looks an evenly run uh, race down the straight here. I've gone for one that just is going to have a bit of race fitness on its side. 
over some other hopefuls, as you said, some Everest hopefuls. And I've gone for the seven. Bold Star, the South Australian horse, comes here second up out to the 1,200 metres now after a really, really eye-catching return last start over 1,100 metres uh, in Group 3 level at Caulfield. Got back in running. They did go uh, quite quick in front. I think there was a 10.7 sectional in there, uh, and they were su- they were definitely sub-11 sec- uh, splits uh, prior to the 600 metres. So they were going quick in front, which did help. Uh, but Bold Star ran home in the quickest last 600, 400, and 200 metres sectionals of the entire meeting. It was a huge run and an extra few strides. It probably wins. Second up now, as I said, it's unbeaten second up from two starts and drops a massive four kilos into this run. I know it's hard to grade, but uh, going from a group three to a group two and dropping four kilos is a really, really good weight swing. I think it stalks the speed from barrier eight, probably gets on the back of Banquo, uh, or, or even if it can get uh, the back of Hell of a Street or, or Tafani, maybe if it wants to drift across, uh, it's going to get a lovely card into the race. Uh, I like the fact that Craig Williams sticks aboard. That's a really strong push in itself. And has form around a lot of these horses. Uh, wasn't far off uh, Zutori in the new market and then beat it actually uh, at the end of last prep in Adelaide. So it's definitely up to measuring against these ones at the top of the market. Uh, and I'm, I'm confident with a bit of race fitness on its side that it will go very, very close to winning off what was a great return. The others I will mention, Zutori would probably be the next pick in the race. Very good fresh form. Uh, six starts fresh for three wins and two seconds. Also has very good track and trip form. It's actually jumped out in the same heat as Tefani and was a touch inferior uh, in that jump out, I thought, but does carry uh, two kilos less than Tefani and is more suited at the 1,200 metres. Now, Tefani, third pick in the race. It's a Group 1 winner, obviously resuming. It's had the three jump outs uh, and looked really, really good in the latest one. My little concern is that its fresh runs in its previous two preps have just been a touch subpar, uh, so I'm not sure how effective it is fresh. And I think 1,400 metres now is more its go rather than this 1,200-metre journey. But back to the top selection, uh, the South Australian horse off the big eye-catching run first up, number seven, Bold Star. Yeah, you make a very good point there uh, with Bold Star. The record states uh, six starts for one win first up. So you can take that as um, he needed that run first up exactly. Um, two from two, second up. Uh, that's what he meets them Saturday. And exactly your point with Tefani, another horse who probably doesn't perform best first up and wants to sort of improve onto that second up run. So it could be a race of circumstances where Bold Star is probably the fit horse who. Um, who can who can take advantage of them sort of coming first up. But we'll round out your three bets. We'll go through them one more time for the punters to write them down. Uh, so lead us off. That's it. Race two, number eight, Bartley, the Sydney horse coming down to Melbourne. That's the first bet. Race three, number two, Savatiano. That's the one I'm most confident on. If you want to make a little note of that, punters, uh, if you're looking for a best of the three, that would be it. And race four, number seven, Bold Star. Now, not to be outdone as always. A great day's racing coming up in Rose Hill. I'm sure as well will be much sunnier than uh, what's going on down in Flemington. Obviously, the uh, the best state out of the two, Sydney, always performs on race day, gets the sun shining for the punters, uh, and it looks a good meeting. A few Group 2 races, soft six at the moment, but no rain expected, I think. 
so I'd, I'd expect that to improve. You can comment on that in a second. Rails out six metres. Yeah, so what did you think? Do you think we get better than a soft six on race day? Yeah, I reckon we will for sure. I think today, um, the three days leading into the meeting, uh, looks like there won't be any showers, so we should get some nice sunshine. It's been hot this week especially, so we're not just getting sort of those 16, 17, 18 degree days. It's sort of been up around that 20, 22, 23 um, degree mark. So and always sort of in August, <clears throat> September, you sort of get those uh light winds that can help dry out. So I've sort of done the meeting on a, a soft six to a um, probably soft six, soft five, maybe a good four. So you sort of, um, that's sort of how I've taken it. I think your safe bet is to do it on a soft five for sure. Perfect. Now moving into your best bets. First one coming up in race number four, uh, the Valet Rick Worthington handicap. Very sad to see. Passing of Rick during the week and our stupid uh, horseman, and, and it's great that they've honoured a race in his name. So who's your pick for race four? Um, I think the biggest question about the pick will be if it runs Saturday. That horse is Mask Crusader. I think we're getting the price currently um, because of that reason. I think he started around that $1.50 quote last start um, against Varda. And the closing sectionals on that day were meeting fastest. Last 200, 1183. Last 400, 2318. And last 600, 34.92. Um, probably on uh, plain fact on those sectionals, reading them out, you'd think uh, that's not the best. That's not very good. That was on a bottomless heavy 10. So that has huge merit. Barrier 10 is a slight query with the Hawks horses. Though they always sort of um, don't expect their horses to push on or get to uh, spots in the run that they don't feel comfortable. So they normally jump and sit where they uh, sort of exactly jump in the run. Um, we're dead set getting a better price, in my opinion, purely for the fact that people punters are probably scared to take the odds because of the scratching. They're not sure if it's going to go there, if it's not going to go there. Um, I've got it clearly on top come Saturday, purely off the sectionals last start. I think the horse has got absolutely um, outstanding Credentials, uh, huge scope to improve. Uh, gets back to sort of on top of the ground, if you if you want to say that. Uh, soft five looks ideal. Tommy Berry, probably the informed jockey in Sydney at the uh, at the moment. Um, I think I don't mind the break from that first up run. I think heavy ten can sort of test the horse a little bit, but at the current price, I'd be happy to take two dollars about this uh, this horse. I think the main danger is um, the toppy. Um, a few choose. I think uh, fact is she's giving Musk Crusader uh, one and a half kilos in in this race, and I don't think she'll be able to ping that back. But if she gets a nice time and can sit on speed from uh, Barry Nine with Rachel King aboard, um, she could be awfully hard to beat. Two from two first up, two from two eleven hundred, and one from one at the track and distance. They all read very good. Four starts for four, uh, five starts. Sorry for four wins on a good four. Uh, if there is a horse to beat Mars, uh, she's the one. So, infamously, you could have a two-bet play, but I'm happy to have a simple uh, win bet on Mars Crusader. I think it's a very skinny race outside of them two. Um, so, happy to be with the short favourite there. Well, punters, you're getting, the, uh, you're getting one of the best prizes out there of all the bookies at the moment on Mars Crusader, if you like it, with play-up. Currently, 215 fixed. I know a lot of operators going at that $1.95 or even money quote. So 
If you're keen like Dino to get on, play up's the way to go, 215. Now, moving on to your next, comes up in race six. A really, really cracking race here, race six. The run to the rose, famously an exciting uh, kickoff point or, or continuation point for the three-year-olds. Who do you like in the run to the rose? Yeah, first of all, exactly what you said. It's a cracking race. Uh, I think a lot of Sydney people all around uh, racing fans would um, their mouths would absolutely water looking at this field. You've got um, explosive runners like Farn and Rough Fire to lead them up. Then you've got horses like North Pacific, King's Legacy, Mamaragan, Old Kirk and Pelzer who can sort of sit off a of speed and uh, reel off some very, very fast sectionals. Um, I had Farnan on top as the horse I wanted to back, but purely on price. I can't take it at the current odds of $2.40. Um, I spent a lot of time in this race trying to find some value. It's one of those races, sort of. it's a great race to look on paper, but then you've got to sort of sit down and go, is there a betting edge? Is is there is this a prospect for me to make, make a buck on? And what I've come up with is a horse called North Pacific. Um, I sort of went looking for this horse. Uh, i got a soft spot. It's probably one of my favorite three-year-olds. Um, it's come up $5, which I think is the wrong price. I got it marked around that $4 quote. Um, huge runs, uh, first two. Um, and a key fact there is that both, both times this horse has won, uh, first and second up with J-Mac on, they've been from barrier one gets that Saturday. So it can sort of be a slight query, um, where he finds himself in the run, but at least they've had some practice, you could say in the two lead up runs. Um, one last start by 5.3 lengths. Um, it was pretty special performance. Absolutely put him to sword over the last sort of 200 metres. He can potentially sit the 1-1, one, one, one out. Um, I would say one back the rail. Uh, if McDonald's in a mood and, and he can come up with some freakishly um, freakishly move off the start and get this horse in the 1-1, one, one, I think the race will be won there. Four weeks between runs like that off a heavy 10 performance. Um, and I think the key with this race is you've got horses – uh, like Rothfire and Farnham, they're both horses who want to find the lead. They want to find that rails out front. We could potentially have the exact same setup as last week in uh, Nature Strip's race where Ball Muscle eyeballed, eyeballed uh, Nature Strip and set up perfectly for your horses like Geetra. North Pacific could be that horse Saturday. I think at the quote, $5, uh, I think it has to firm and heading towards uh, Golden Rose. And a betting prospect, uh, I'm keen to back North Pacific. So North Pacific there in the run to the rose. Quick thoughts on Old Kirk, who I know uh, we spotted from the trials and and you tipped uh, first up. Maybe just not up to this level, do you think? Uh, I definitely think it's up to this level. I just think uh, slight queries to 1,200 metres. I've got it earmarked as a sort of 1,400 to a 1,600 metre horse. So... I just think uh, he might be the horse that flashes home. We sort of put in our black books, and you're getting a beautiful price, $20 for a horse who ran, uh, albeit got smoked by uh, Anders last start, but did run uh, a nice third there, uh, our second, sorry, there. So um, you could potentially make a case. I just think the slight query is the 1,200 metres. He might get run off his feet, but in saying that, um, what I've sort of said about the race, uh, if they go too quick up front, then it sets up perfectly for a horse like that who can sort of reel off those very fast sectionals late. Yep, beautiful. Rightio, moving on to the lucky last bet on the program for yourself uh, in race eight. 
Uh, and this one is definitely one for the trial pervs, I think. It caught my eye at the trials, went straight into my black book as well. So what's your third bet on the program? Yeah, I found this race uh, a little bit of a tricky race, but if you find the uh, find the winner, you're going to find some value. I've got uh, Faskia, uh, the favourite, far too short in the market. Uh, I think 240 is bottom dollar odds. Uh, you've got a horse called Mizzy. I think I've posted on my Twitter this week who holds a two um, from three record over the horse and was only sort of that 1.5 lengths off at last prep. Now, they're about 9 to $10 apart. I just think she's come up way too short. So I looked elsewhere. Uh, key stat on this race that I found, um, normally out of the trials, I sort of tend to avoid these Waller runners first up. Uh, he's sort of known as a trainer that progresses his horses throughout a campaign and first up's often not the place to bet. Uh, this is not the case. Come Saturday, he's won this race um, three times out of the last 10 years and on three on those three occasions uh, he's won it first up with horses so the horse I'm keen to back here is Hawpery on her purely on price I think she's come up with stupid price she's currently around those odds of uh, 5.50 to sort of that $9 range I think there's a various um, between bookies there um, trials have been absolutely outstanding like you mentioned before sits on speed uh, relaxed in the run and kicks away um, that's the ideal racing pattern obvious query is barrier 14 but I expect J-Mac to be positive from the barrier and hopefully uh, going off the racing New South Wales speed maps we can get a sort of sitting that three wide with a with cover that would be the ideal circumstances um J-Mac jumps off sweet deal onto her. That's a big tick for mine. Um, three starts for two wins and a second at the distance. Uh, one for one at the track and it was 0.3 lengths off a horse called Tofani last prep. That's the right form. And also beat uh, one of your best bets tomorrow, uh, sorry, Saturday at Flemington in Savitiano last prep. I think at the current odds, she's a silly price. Fas- uh, Faskia has to um, drift, in my opinion, way too short at the moment. I think this will be the firm. If J-Mac can give uh, a little bit of his brilliance, I think we are on a winner there. I mentioned a few others. Uh, I think I would have been very keen on Flit if uh, she drew a barrier. She was probably one of the many unlucky stories in her last start. Um, drawn 18, needs a gun run from there. But both a great record of the distance, six starts for two wins, four seconds. Um Held up badly last start, like I said. 18's obviously the query. Um, Mizzy hasn't trialled as well as uh, the two before I've mentioned, but uh, she's got that on-pace racing style, puts herself there, and she has grits and grit and determination late. Um, big keys for me, backing horses. Um, might be a run short, but um, can't go wrong sitting on, on pace. So my selection there is Hawkeye on her at a nice price. Currently 5.50 with play-up. Looks a great race, the Sherico. Uh, another group two on the card. And hopefully we can finish off with a winner there, Hortbury on her. Now quickly running through your three selections again. Um, we have uh, race four, Mars Crusader. Um, looks the obvious horse in that race, but $2 is definitely value for mine. Uh, race six in the run to the Rose going uh, we have a bit more value there too. North Pacific, currently $5. Got it marked around that $4, $4.50 price. And race eight, 
In the group two, um, Hawpery on her got it marked around that, say, $5 mark. Um, currently can get better odds with play up at the moment. So they're my three bets for Saturday. Um, if I had to put one as one of my better bets, I would definitely say North Pacific. Um, you're getting a very nice price for a quality, quality three-year-old. Beautiful. I like it. Now, get out stakes time. Uh, of course, brought to you by PlayUp, trying to improve desperately uh, on the form that we had in the preseason that obviously we can't talk about really because uh, no one heard it. So we could be lying for all they know. But I promise you, listeners and punters, that uh, in the two practice recordings we did for the podcast, we nailed both of our Get Out Stakes bets, but uh, since then just have not been able to hit any. So the Get Out Stakes for you, Dino, you're actually coming down to my turf. You're taking me on down in Flemington. What's your get out? Yeah, I got a bit, um, <clears throat> got a bit stuck, a bit of cabin fever up in uh, Sydney, so I thought I might wander down to Melbourne. I've come back with race nine, number three. Let's be glam. Um, I think we spoke about this off air, and it's a very, very hot race. You're getting eight fifty for this horse. Uh, love the Bustin' and Young stable. Michael D in the saddle uh, presents here first up. Uh, go back last prep. Uh, ran faster time in the Phillies uh, Blue Diamond Prelude uh, compared to a horse in the males called Hansi Attic. Uh, 2.6 lengths off Tagaloa in that Blue Diamond. Um, I expect it's come back a lot better this prep, 8.50 a price. And I think the Flemington, um, 1,100 metres, the straight will definitely help this horse, uh, free-ranging, big-striding horse. So I'm going with uh, Flemington, race nine, number three, let's be glam. Now. You'll get out stakes. Uh, you're going to the bush again. You love these sort of country provincial meetings. Uh, have a little knack there. Where are you taking us this week? That's it. We're trying to get a little sting out here in Warraknabeel. Uh, not a not a stranger to Warraknabeel. I tipped Ginny Ann in the get out stakes two weeks ago. It was an absolute certainty beat, as we all know. Uh, can't mention that. It'll put me back on the floor again. So moving on to this week's one. Now, there's no odds as of yet. Because uh, we're still early in the week, but I'd l- I cannot wait to see what price this horse comes up. Because I think there's a little sting going on here. I'm keen on the seven. It's race seven. Warracknabeel number seven. Hello, sweetheart. Uh, sixth up from a freshen, so it's going to be rock hard fit, and it's been going around on heavy tracks basically since coming back from that freshen six starts ago. So going to be dead set rock hard fit. Uh, last start was caught way way off the track, no cover, stuck on really well. Comes back to 1,000 metres and the blinkers go on, uh, I think, and I'm hoping it just gets overlooked by the market a little bit and we get a good price. Uh, And I'm keen that Hello Sweetheart in the last will be running a really, really big race. Can't see, can't wait to see what price we get there. Now, Group 1 challenge back as well. Play Up gives us $100 each week to have a crack at something uh, or to to spread our bets. And I've seen, uh, looking at our run sheet, that we're both even included uh, some exotic bets in our $100 Group 1 challenge, which I love to see. Now, obviously, the Group 1 is the Maccabi Diva Stakes down at Flemington in Race 7. I'll quickly run through what my bets here are for the Group 1. $35 Russian Camelot, uh, star in the making, as I've said before. Really, really excited to see it come back. $35 Fierce Impact, who's flying and should have, could have, won the Group 1 Wink Stakes a few weeks ago down uh, in Sydney. They've brought it down to Melbourne, and I think it's a really, really good chance in this race. And I'm going a boxed trifecta, 4, 13, 14, 16 
for 30 bucks. And I'm, I'm pretty sure those horses are um, Russian Camelot, Fish Impact, Perfect Jewel for Pikey and Gretna Lana Williams, and Miami Bound, who's a big price. Uh, I think her run on that bottomless track at Mooney Valley in a much weaker race was full of merit uh, and could be a little sneaky for your uh, exotics at some big odds. What's your play in the in the Group 1 Challenge? Uh, I'm very keen to be with Fierce Impact in the Group 1. Um, I'm spending 90 of my $100 uh, on the nose of that horse. I think it was a huge run first up, always improved second half, and Maddie Smith has been on the radio the last couple of weeks absolutely stamping this horse as a big contender in the spring. Um, have a little soft spot for the horse. Um, I'll spend my last $10 on a Quinella with Fierce Impact and um, Russell Camelot, I think. He will be the horse that's flashing home, uh, the Black Book run. Everyone will be very excited for where he goes next. But I think Fierce Impact gets the win there Saturday and Russian Camelot can be the horse to follow. So $90 spend on the nose of Fierce Impact and a $10 Quinella on Russian Camelot and Fierce Impact. They're the way I will play the Group 1. Beautiful. Well, hopefully uh, the switching to the exotic bets might spark a bit of luck in our Group 1 challenge and obviously our get out as well we're due for one we're due for a we're due for a win you know what they say we're due for a win and i think we've got one coming this week look that runs out another podcast uh another good week a great chat with gano as we said some great racing coming up at flemington and rose hill to all the listeners all the punters good luck on the rex hunt coming up this weekend dino obviously good luck to you and all your followers at the barrier attendant on fire as always go and check the barrier attendant out as well uh ladies and gents if you haven't already Dino really tipping up some winners, really getting into his into his groove as we get into the heavy part of the spring. And mate, we'll speak next week. We'll do, mate. Uh, enjoy the punt on the weekend. Enjoy a couple of beverages come Saturday. But uh, good luck to everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.